Well, um, most of you in the room know this, but but uh, Todd, who is our worship leader, uh, is married to amazing, beautiful Karina, sitting right next to him, who is the one who is preaching tonight. Yay. And uh, I just thought I would would tell you that just in case anyone in the room didn't know that the two of them are are one according to the Lord and um but also I I was including them together because the two of them have such a huge heart for young people for teens and and those in the younger stages of life that um that have a lot of questions and a lot of confusion and a lot of pain and and uh don't have just know how to work through that and they're just amazing with young ones in fact um, yes, they have different groups that meet at times, but they also, both of them, meet one-on-one all the time with young people. Like, I don't know if you, if any of you ever go to specialties in, in Pleasanton, but I don't go all that often, like when I meet with people, but whenever I go there, I'd say it's about a 90% chance that one of them's going to be in their meeting with some young person, helping, helping their, in their, straighten out their life a little bit, and, uh, turning it back to Jesus. I just wanted to remind you of that. They, they have just an amazing um, ministry, but also a dream of, of more of how God's going to touch more and more young people. So I'm really proud of them both. And um, Karina, um, every time she shares, I just, uh, because she shares from her heart and with vulnerability and, and uh, she also has, I don't know if she's going to mention any of it tonight, but she's got a real heart for uh, reaching into the community, making a difference, you know, with, with those that are having a hard time, not just with the young people, but other ones. And she, she volunteers at a, a home for um, trafficked uh, young women in San Francisco and has been doing that for several years. So just, you know, she's someone who not just talks about going out and making a difference, but she does it. And um, so Karina, we're super blessed to have you share tonight. She also happens to be an elder and a pastor, Karina Lout. Thanks, Brent and Suzanne. I love those guys. Don't you love Brent and Suzanne so much? <laughs> yeah, Todd and I come sometimes. I mean, it's, we've been with them for a long time now, but we still sit around talking about y'all and how blessed we are to do life with you and to do ministry with you. It has been huge for us, and we've gotten lots of healing because of you guys, so thank you. Yeah, that was some really good worship, and I am still kind of sitting in the overflow of that, and we'll see where we go tonight, but I'm excited. Ah, and thank you, Mary Jo, for the word you got. That was exactly what God was doing, so thank you. Yeah, I thought I would start off by sharing. Um, I haven't shared in a while, so I just wanted to give you a little update on a, something Todd and I are doing. Uh, because I, you're family, so yeah, right? We're family. And if you're new, hey, you're already in your family too. So um, Todd and I uh, prayed for a while, and we became foster parents. At, we started the process kind of the beginning of January. And it's been a long, hard road, to be honest, and many people told us that it would be and that it's risky and all of that stuff. 
But I thought, you know what, I should just share that with, with my family here because we bring kids in, and you might be wondering, why do you have new kids? So we, I think we brought two so far. We've had about four foster kids, and it's been one of the most difficult things we've ever done and one of the most incredible things we've ever done, too. And we've seen God heal some hearts. And so I kind of wanted to let you in on that in case we're not sure when we're going to get another placement or if we're going to take a long break or if we're going to do respite care. Um, But, you know, you might see other kids popping around and wonder what's going on. So I just kind of wanted to let you know that's that's our journey. And I wanted to thank you, too, for the way that you all have embraced the few kids that we've brought around. They have gotten so much healing because just being in this atmosphere, and they've learned what the Father's love is in such a short amount of time. And some of that is by coming here and being in the presence of God and being around healthy moms and dads. So I wanted to thank you for that. And please pray for us, because we don't, we don't really know what the future holds or what that's going to look like in our life. But I, uh, you know, as Brent said, I, I do get real passionate about things, especially social justice issues, and I care very deeply. Um, and because of that, I don't like to just talk about things. I'm like kind of one of those people that wants to actually, you know, do something about it, and praying is is really a big part of that, but um, as Holy Spirit leads, so I have to really watch myself and not jump ahead of the game, but I just really believe the church carries lots of solutions to lots of issues in the world right now, and like Mary Jo said, there is a lot going on right now. Tuesday night, uh, we have prayer here uh, once a month. Diane Jung and Brent lead that, and it's amazing and you know we pray into some of the issues going on in the world from from heaven's perspective so I feel really strongly that um yeah we are we are part of the solution and we've we've learned that um the foster care system as many of you know is a really it's it's it can be broken at times and it's really challenging some of you have been foster parents and so I applaud you um and so, hey, we, we are called to be part of the answer to that. And I remember being super critical of why are kids, you know, moved from home to home. And I had all these ideas. And then once we're in it, I kind of, we see her behind the scenes in that it's just so much more complex than what we know. And so uh, these kids need lots of prayer. And we want them to come into the church. And we sing songs, you know, like, what's that song ever be like? The orphan has found a home, and so when you bring them into the home, into the church, it's like super messy, right? And kids, they, they don't have parents, and so they, there's lots of behaviors and, and challenges. So it, it gets really messy, but we're, we're fine with the mess, right? God's all about it. And um, so I just want to thank you all for, for standing with us, for loving us and supporting us, and we'll see where it takes us. Did you want to say something? Oh, oh, um, yeah. There's a uh, worship leader at Bethel that's running for Congress, I believe. Oh, because yeah, I was uh, yeah, I was pretty inspired. I don't, I don't really know what his political beliefs are. I'm sure he's pretty conservative, but he um, all that to say it doesn't really matter. But that he was tired of seeing all these issues and said, "I want to be part of the answer." Instead of complaining about it and ranting on Facebook, let me actually do something. So. 
That is that just is so amazing. So anyway, not in our district, so we can't vote, but go Sean. So there's that. Yeah, bless him, Lord. So that's not what I'm talking about, but <laughs> anyway, just wanted you guys to be in on what's going on in our life because you are our family. So appreciate you guys. Um, we are going to continue on with the book of Acts, and we've been doing this for a while. We've been taking our sweet time because, you know, when you do that, you really can soak in what God's doing a lot more and kind of take it apart and digest it. So right now we're on Acts chapter 9, and I'm going to talk about making room for growth. And so this is Acts 9. This is Saul's journey. And, you know, with growth, it's all about making space for that and being intentional. Growth doesn't really just happen. Um, We have to really make room for that. So a quick recap, uh, Jesus began to encounter the most unlikely people. We've heard the last several uh, weeks, someone talked about Simon the sorcerer, an Ethiopian delegate, and then Saul, who was a Pharisee, who was persecuting and arresting Christians for their faith. And then Jesus encounters him in Damascus, and then he starts spreading the good news to the people he was actually going to arrest. It's such an amazing story. I've read it before, but now that I'm talking about it, I was kind of soaking in it more. I'm like, wow, that's so amazing. So this is Acts 9, uh, 20 through 22. Saul stayed with the believers in Damascus for a few days, and immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is indeed the Son of God. All who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem, they asked? And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to the leading priests? Saul's power increased greatly as he became more and more proficient in proving that Jesus was the anointed Messiah. So I'm going to stop at this last part, and I'm going to actually talk about this one phrase for the night, because when we pause at portions of scriptures, kind of like we've been doing, there's so much more Jesus wants to reveal to us. And we can read through that and skip right over that word, his power increased. It didn't just happen. There was a progression. It, it happened over time. And, you know, so much of the time we don't see the behind the scenes We don't see all the messy stuff. Some of you got prophetic words earlier, which I'm sure were so incredible. But we don't always get to see how messy it is and the maturing process. And we see, we just think, oh, that word was fulfilled in their lives. But Saul really had a process. I used to hate that word. I remember when when they started saying that word in the church all the time, the process. Like, oh, please, can it, you know, be like a supernatural encounter? Yes, God does that, and he does the suddenlies. Why not? But there is so much Jesus and so much goodness in the process, I found, in understanding his nature that you would never discover any other way unless you really dig in deep, and that's what Saul did. That's why we have so much of the New Testament. So he has this radical encounter with Jesus, but he had all this maturing and all this healing that needed to happen. But before, we know this, but before Jesus encountered him, Saul was probably as legalistic as the day came. And he was born in a family of Pharisees. All of his identity was wrapped up in legalism, in his intellect and religious beliefs. That was, he was 
an, a very wise man. And so we sometimes forget that. You know, Jesus touches him, but he, he was, his whole identity was defined by what he learned. And he, he was a very smart man. So here we are in Galatians. And this is Paul, Saul, Paul, um, speaking. Can you guys see that? Okay. Galatians 1.16 Paul says, God's grace unveiled his son in me so that I would proclaim him to the non-Jewish people of the world. After I had this encounter, I kept it a secret for some time, sharing it with no one. And I chose not to run to Jerusalem to try to impress those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went away into the Arabian desert for a season until I returned to Damascus. And then in Galatians 2, he says, I spoke privately with those who were viewed as senior leaders of the church. I wanted to make certain that my labor in ministry for the Messiah had not been based on a false understanding of the gospel. Isn't that huge? He wanted to really make sure, you know, Brent spoke last week about grace versus law, and, and Paul really wanted to, to, he took his time. He, didn't, he did, you know, preach the gospel right away, but his writings happened later, and he really wanted to take his time and really understand that he was presenting, he wanted to present the right gospel. So that's, that's really huge. Um, his, his writings happened, yeah, like, like 14 years after his encounter um, on Dam- in Damascus. So, you know, we all have the same story, uh, probably, that, you know, when we come to Jesus, I was 18, and I've shared this story, but I really thought, yes, now my life is going to be perfect, all rainbows, all butterflies. I'm going to, you know, dance on the fields of grace. And I, I didn't grow up in the church, so I was learning all these worship songs, and I would write every lyric down. And, you know, it felt like, oh, my goodness, what have I stepped into? And it was amazing, and it was great. But then you find that true intimacy with Jesus, you know, when you finally meet him, then you become real and I found that I kind of started taking off that mask of protection that I needed to protect myself that I had my whole life. Um, and the places where I would numb out to be feel okay, and those, those weren't working for me anymore. So it was actually really painful. And to be honest, I still kind of will slip back into that. But the difference now is, you know, we're more self-aware. You know, before we know Jesus, we're kind of just going through the motions just to get by because we're in so much pain and we're doing whatever we need to do. But now um, it's like I kind of notice, okay, you're, I'm just going to be honest, but like if things are super hard sometimes, I'm like, let me just zone out for a while and watch something that's going to be pretty mindless because things are too hard. And and there's the comfort, you know, with food and all that good stuff and food. Todd and I love food and we love to treat ourselves, especially, you know, sometimes when I don't turn to Jesus and I'm like, oh, I just want comfort. So anyways, we still, I still kind of will slip back into those things, but the, it's good now. I'm like, oh, I know what you're doing. And, and um, before it was just like going through the motions. So um, yeah, it, it was good coming to Jesus, but it's also still painful. Life isn't perfect, right? I mean, now we know we have someone to run to, and he is our all in all, and he did it all for us. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for us. We're so grateful. He is so wild about you. I felt that during worship. Oh, my gosh. I saw him spinning about over you guys, and he he is so crazy in love with you. If you don't know that, I pray that you get a bigger revelation of that 
all throughout the night. He is wild and crazy in love with you. So in love with you. If you've never, you know, experienced that with the spouse or boyfriend, girlfriend. Anyway, it's so much better than that anyway. So he's crazy about you guys. Yeah. So, um, oops, let me go back. Oh, growth is optional. It's really optional. Um, We can stay stuck or we can embrace the process. The process, right? But you can't do it without his grace. And Pastor Brent, if you weren't here last week, we weren't here, but I listened to the podcast. It was really good. Um, He talked about how Jesus paid it all for our complete freedom. He paid it all so that we could experience freedom. And so our part while here on the earth is believing him. And it sounds so simple. That's all we have to do is believe him. But it can be so challenging, too, because we do have pain and we have life. Believing him and allowing the truth to reach the places of our heart that are still having difficulty fully receiving it. And we know that there's a part of us that wants to believe, but then there's the other part of us that just, like, struggles to really, really fully believe. But that is, that's it. And Jesus did it all. And we just get to rest and agree with him and say yes to the process. Doesn't that sound so easy? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, So Saul needed to learn how to receive. That's kind of what Holy Spirit was showing me. He needed to learn how to receive. And he really does right away. So we find out, you know, in Acts 9, that Jesus tells Ananias, uh, a man that Saul actually would have previously despised. He would have really not wanted anything to do with Ananias. But Jesus tells Ananias, go go and pray for him, and I'm going to restore his sight. And what happens? He's healed right away, and he's baptized. So he has this supernatural experience with Jesus on Damascus, but he still needed to take time to humble himself, to repent and be baptized. He didn't, you know, we, we read about it and he's blinded by this light and then we think, okay, then bam. But no, he, in that little bit of time where it says he was baptized, he, I believe Saul fully repented and of his sin and that he really um, took that posture of humility and received from Ananias. So that's why we like take it apart a little bit slower and really see what, what God fully did for him in that. So Saul was a man, like I said, he was a man of great intellect, but his head knowledge wasn't why Jesus called him. That's not why Jesus said, you're my man because of you. you're this wise man. He still needed a mentor, and he needed accountability. And then we read, you know, we read on Barnabas was that for him. And he goes with him on his first missionary trip. And so even Saul, Paul needed a mentor. Um, I'm going to share a little personal story, but I don't know if, if you're like me, but a while ago I was spending time with God, and I went into the time really um, wanting some direction, and so I, I sat down, and I started jumping ahead and telling God all the things I wanted him to do and how I wanted him to do it, and instead of really listening, and um, you know, maybe you've been there, maybe you haven't, but uh, Jesus was so, so uh, graceful with me, and he was so gracious to me, and he kind of stopped me after a while after I was rambling, and he said to me this thing, I'll never forget it, and he said, if you don't find yourself asking me more questions, 
you need to consider that maybe you're too comfortable already having all the answers. I was like, oh, yeah. You know, sometimes Jesus can talk to me like that, and it, it, it's fine. It, it, you know, I was in a place where I really needed it. It wasn't, it wasn't shaming at all. He was just like, you know, come on, baby girl. You, there's so much more I want for you, and, and you're in that place right now where you think you have all the answers, but you don't. And I'm like, okay, let's go there then. So I'm going to, I have a few scriptures tonight. I'm just going to tell you ahead of time that are going to maybe be a little challenging, but uh, they're really good. And there's probably some pretty flowers and trees around it to make you feel better. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, to comfort you. We need the comforts, right? We need the grace as we're growing. Yeah. Everything I'm saying is not coming from a place of you got to do it. It's coming from love. And that's, that's the Father. The Father loves us. But a Father, we wouldn't be His if we didn't, you know, receive from Him as well and from Holy Spirit, from Jesus. So He wants us to grow up. He, there's, a, there's a process. And so this is a scripture. I have several scriptures that I read um, every once in a while where um, I just like, God, I invite you. I surrender. I need you. And so this is one that I've been reading recently. And it's Proverbs 16, verse 1 through 3. Go ahead and make all the plans you want. (laughs) But it's the Lord who will ultimately direct your steps. We are all in love with our own opinions, convinced they're correct. But the Lord is in the midst of us, testing and probing our every motive. Before you do anything, put your trust totally in God and not in yourself. Then every plan you make will succeed. It's good. Every plan you make will succeed. Trust him. It's not about what you can do in and of yourself. It's all about leaning on him and submitting and surrendering to him. And he's so trustworthy. That's the thing. It's like you can't pray these prayers or read these if you don't know that he is so for you and that he is such a good leader and he's such a trusting father. He really is. So this is a, see, look at the nice little flowery trees. Thank you, Todd. (laughs) Um, Questions can sometimes make us feel uncomfortable uh, because our culture wants answers now, and we have Google, and we can self-diagnose, and we can, you know, just have all the answers right at our fingertips. It's great. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. But it is nice sometimes when you're like, oh, what's the answer to that? And you can just look it up on your phone right away. But we do, we want, our culture wants answers now. Um, And we need to fix and we need to explain away all the mysteries of God and put it in a little tiny box so that we feel okay. And God invites us into a continual discovery of who he is. He's so good like that. And it's in the questions that you find out how big, how expansive, how beautiful his nature really is. It's actually in the process. It's in the hard times. It's in the challenges that you discover he's your ever-present help in time of trouble. Your ever-present help. He's always there for you. It's so good. Paul knew when it was his time to be a teacher, and he knew when he needed to be a student. And that's so important in life. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life, if you are a boss, a teacher, leader, whatever, but there's times in your life where you need to lead, and then there's times where you need to learn to, to sit back and receive and to be a student. And Paul really understood that. Um, but it's so important that we remain teachable, and we tell, we tell our young people this all the time, stay teachable. So parents, you would, I don't know if your parents 
I don't know if there's any kids in our youth group, the parents here, but anyway, we, we tell our parents, you can thank us, because we always tell the kids, stay teachable, listen to your parents, and there's always more to learn. Um, yeah, because otherwise there's no opportunity to grow, and then pride and fear of change keep us stuck. So it's so important to stay in that place. Um, here is another challenging scripture for you. I'm just full of them. Or the Bible is full of them, actually. Not me. This is Proverbs 15, 32 through 33. Refusing constructive criticism shows you have no interest in improving your life. For revelation insight only comes as you accept correction and the wisdom that it brings. The source of revelation knowledge is found as you fall down and surrender before the Lord. That's the Passion Translation. And, um, yeah, that is so good because I pay attention in my life when I fear correction. It's usually when I'm in a place of feeling really insecure and forgetting who I am. And so it reiterates this message like you're not enough, you're not doing enough, it's all about what you're doing, and you can't do everything perfectly, which we weren't meant to do, right? But when I'm secure in who I am and I know what Jesus has done for me, then I welcome correction in my life, and I'm with trustworthy people in my life. I welcome it because I know that my mistakes don't define me and that all we get to lean into the strength of Jesus in the places that we feel weak. And so that's, it's so good to pay attention when, oh, gosh, I feel like I'm going to crumble if somebody corrects me or challenges me. How are you feeling on the inside? Are you getting your identity in Jesus and knowing it's okay? He loves you. Your mistakes don't define you, but, hey, this is an opportunity to grow up a little bit. So um, it's good to be self-aware. Pay attention. Embracing growth requires vulnerability and complete surrender. Um, here's a little, little side note on that. I was, there's a lot of talk about vulnerability lately and it's kind of become a buzzword and everything. So there's just a difference between transparency and vulnerability. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. Amen. 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 Um, yeah. Transparency is, um, look at my house. It's so messy. And, you know, inviting people into your messy house. Here's my mess. Look at it. And then vulnerability is probably like, um, come into my house. It's super messy, and it's like that because I'm really depressed. And that's like, it, it costs you something. Vulnerability costs something. Transparency is just like, hey, look at this, you know, with nothing else. Um, so that's a little side I like to um, think about, transparency and vulnerability. It does cost something. I know there's been times that I've shared, you know, part of my story, which is really... We all have a hard story, but at times it just doesn't really feel vulnerable because I've gotten healing, and it's actually the things that I'm walking through currently that I don't see the finished product yet, I don't see the answer yet, that feel way more vulnerable because you're in it. So it takes so much courage. Paul completely submitted himself to Jesus, and he didn't want to present a false understanding of the gospel, so he submitted himself, and he didn't want to misuse the power he was given. But Jesus uses his power to heal us and to love us. And that's so important that we get that. Um, When a leader or a boss or a person in authority is walking in brokenness, I mean, the casualties will multiply around them when they will not be willing to look at their pain and to allow Jesus to heal them. And it's really unfortunate. And I mean, I've 
probably, I've probably caused messes myself, times where I, you know, wasn't willing to really look at the pain and allow Jesus to come in. But um, God uses his power to love us. I remember I was doing a, a Bible study a long time ago at this safe house with the girls, and I was talking about how powerful Jesus is, and I, I kept using that word powerful. And one of the girls um, was getting really triggered, and I didn't really understand why until she shared with me that, you know, she equated power with abuse, and a lot of people do because a lot of people misuse that power, unfortunately. But Jesus is so trustworthy, and so... Um, so good to remember that, that he's so loving. He never uses his power to injure us at all. And Paul understood that, and he really wanted to submit himself and to really get that because he wanted to lead people well. It's really amazing. There we go. Here's another one that I read and when I want to invite God into my heart and to really... Um, really search me out. This is Psalm 139. This is the Passion Translation, uh, 23 through 24. God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there's any path of pain I'm walking on and lead me back to your glorious, everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. Isn't that a good prayer? I love that, and that is a good one for you to pray over yourself, to ask God to constantly search you out, and hey, am I, um, is there a path of pain that I'm walking on and I'm reacting to other people in relationships and that I don't see because we have blind spots, um, you know, and Holy Spirit's there to reveal them to us, and it's okay. Everyone has them sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes we can't see things for ourselves, but God is so trustworthy to reveal that to us. Um, it's all about about him and his love. And he is so much more concerned with the condition of your heart than he is about what you can do for him. He cares so much about how your heart is doing. Um, and we get it so mixed up sometimes. We kind of want to go to the conferences and get more, and which is really good to grow and to you know, grow in our giftings and everything. But he cares about the condition of your heart. And then you know what? Once he's touching your heart and he's healing you, all the other stuff falls into place. All the things that we get to do and prophecy and healing and all that flows from that healed place and from his love for us. So chase after that. Chase after letting him make you wholehearted. It's so worth it. It's so good. And And it is a journey. You know, I don't think we ever arrive until we get to see him face to face. But we do get a lot more healed up and whole, for sure. So don't be discouraged. Okay. Um, Yeah, pride keeps healing at a distance. And um, so continually just submitting your heart to the Lord. And Paul really learned that. He learned to really submit himself in that um, he he wrote in Philippians 2-3. This is another good one. This is Paul's words. Be free from pride-filled opinions, for they will only harm your cherished unity. Don't allow self-promotion to hide in your hearts, but in authentic humility, put others first and view others as more important than yourselves. Abandon every display of selfishness. Possess a greater concern for what matters to others inside of your own 
instead of your own interests. And consider the example that Jesus, the anointed one, has set before you, before us. Let his mindset become at your motivation. And that's so good. And that, you know, that scripture used to kind of bother me. And I wondered, well, what does that mean? Just think about everybody else. And I feel like I do that when I'm not in a healed place anyway. But um, that, that's not what he's saying. He, he was only to, able to love others because he fully understood what Jesus did for him and the sacrifice he accomplished on the cross. That was the only way he was able to give out and to love others. And if we're all doing this with one another, imagine what the body of Christ would look like if we really consider each other and consider that our actions really affect everyone else. And other cultures really get it. In other parts of the world, they really get that. And I think, you know, America, come on, let's uh, step up to it, that, that what we do really matters. And, um, you know, some of the countries I've been to, it's amazing to see how the culture, how, the, how they consider one another family, their neighbors or family, and what they do is a domino effect for other people. I'm Japanese, if you didn't know, I'm half Japanese. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anybody else? Asian? Asian? Okay. Um, yeah, we have our little sign and everything. <laughs> but yeah, there was an earthquake in Japan like years ago. It was a pretty big one. And there was these news reports of how um, the Japanese people responded to one another when there was crisis. It was incredible. There was no rioting. There was no fighting. They stood in line. They let other people go bef- before them when they were getting their supplies and um, there was like a mandatory, um, they had to turn off all their electricity, but they didn't really have to make it mandatory because people did it because they considered one another and everything was, it's incredible. So I'm like, that's what I'm praying for our nation. I'm declaring that. In fact, let's pray right now. Why not? Jesus, we declare over the United States, over our nation, that we would be a nation that would really consider one another that kindness and love and grace would be a huge banner lifted over our nation in the place of selfishness, in the place of self-sufficiency and jealousy and pride. We declare over you, America, you are a nation that loves well, that you love well, that you love your neighbor well, and you consider them. Thank you, Jesus. We pray that over our government as well. Thank you, Father. We declare it. We don't go by what we see. We go by what heaven says and the way you say things, Jesus. And we will not be discouraged by what we see. We're going to keep standing with you, God. We declare that in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for agreeing with me. Why not? Let's do it. Um, Brother Yoon, have you heard of Brother Yoon? He was, so he was exiled and persecuted for starting underground churches in China and revival there. And um, I was reading part of his book, how he, um, how challenging it was for him when he came to America because of all the praises he was getting when he was starting to speak at the churches, because it was so foreign to him in that he only experienced persecution when he preached the gospel in China, obviously. And so he had to really, I mean, Brother Yoon, who we all really admire and respect that he had to check his heart and he surrendered himself to the Lord so that he wouldn't rely on the praises of men to define him. And that really touched me, you know, because of what God did through him and the humility that's obviously all over his life that he would still submit himself to the Lord. Um, And it's incredible. Everything, everything comes from Jesus. It all comes from him. 
and apart from him, we're nothing. And, and of course, he says we're, we're everything. We get to partner with him, but it's continually submitting ourselves and surrendering to him is so important. Um, are you guys good to do something? Don't leave when I ask you to do this. <laughs> Uh-oh, no. No, if you, if you need to go, it's fine. But uh, I, I'm totally kidding. <laughs> um, I just know sometimes people get a little like, oh, I don't know. Um, I think this is what I felt Holy Spirit say for a little bit. We're going to break up into a pair, get with someone. And if you're new and you don't know someone, maybe one of our leaders or can go sit with you. And I, I would love for you to just share for a few minutes about an area that you've grown and then an area that you would like to grow, and then I want you to pray for each other. Um, and it could, it could be something like, you know, hey, I'm eating healthier. I used to eat junk food all the time. Or it doesn't have to be, you know. For me, I'm learning to really trust the Lord more. I'm growing and trusting him. So we're going to just take a few minutes and do that. So one area you've grown, and then one area that you would like to grow more, and ask Holy Spirit to show you and pray for each other. Okay. Okay, you can pray more for each other at the ends. Isn't this nice? This is what family does, and we get to pray and love each other. Love it. Yeah, so I pray for all the grace and courage for each of you as, as you uh, continue to grow in those things that Holy Spirit revealed to you. So I'm just going to do a little bit more here, and uh, then we're going to have some prayer time. Yeah, so back to um, Acts 9, 22. This is the end. I wanted to read this in the source translation. Uh, the source is a really good translation, by the way. Uh, Saul's power increased more and more, confounding the Jews who lived in Damascus by demonstrating that Jesus is the anointed one. Demonstrating. So um, I don't have one for that. Yeah, that's uh, this in the source, though. Um, so here's what, what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, 1 through 5. My brothers and sisters, when I first came to proclaim to you the secrets of God, I refused to come as an expert, trying to impress you with all my eloquent speech and lofty wisdom. For while I was with you, I was determined to be consumed with one topic, Jesus, the crucified Messiah. I stood before you feeling inadequate, filled with reverence for God, and trembling under the sense of the importance of my words. The message I preached and how I preached it was not an attempt to sway you with persuasive arguments, but to prove to you the almighty power of God's Holy Spirit. For God intended that your faith not be established on man's wisdom, but by trusting in his almighty power. And that's it. Amen. The Passion Translation. That is the all in all. When Paul spoke, his preaching became experiential, and it wasn't about his logic or in all of his lofty words, and he had the intellect. But isn't that amazing that it was about experiencing the presence of God like we did tonight? Um, what he experienced in Damascus was a spirit of prophecy to every person he preached to. And that's, he really, really got that, that um, it was his testimony of what Jesus did. It wasn't about his intellect and, 
in all of his, uh, his wisdom. And so, uh, you know, this is for all of you. Your story is the light that leads people out of darkness. It's, it's your story, and it's not all just the mountaintop experiences. It is, you know, what you've gotten in the valley, in the messy, in the behind-the-scenes uh, process. That, that it's all part of it. It's not just, you know being blinded on the light on the road to Damascus. It's, the, it's what God's done through you. And that's what we get to receive, you know, in the New Testament. What Paul wrote is, is part of what he learned in, in humility. And it's incredible. Second Peter, I don't have a slide for this, but Second Peter 3.18 says, Continue to grow and increase in God's grace and intimacy with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue to grow and increase in his grace and intimacy. So, um, yeah, I really want to take some time to pray for you. And Honey, will you get on the keyboard? Todd's going to play for a little bit, and we're going to just see what Jesus wants to do. And, um, yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's so worth it, and he's so in it. There's grace for it, I'm telling you. There's grace for it. But it really is, um, we really do need to make room for it. So I'm going I'm to pray. Thank you, Jesus. But I had a word for someone. Oh, I have a word for someone real quick. I know Rosie. What's your daughter's name again? Alana. Okay, I don't have the word yet. I just felt to call you. Alana. Um, Jesus so loves you. He so sees you, and he sees your heart posture for him. And I saw you, like, even as a little girl and just growing up in him and how you've loved him and how there's been times where it's been difficult or challenging at school. Um, he just, he's just so proud of his girl. I, I really didn't have much, but he just wanted to highlight you and tell you he's really proud of you. And I see you singing out to him and worshiping him. And you, um, he, you move his heart. Do you know that you can move the Lord's heart? He's so moved by you and your life and the way you've chosen to posture yourself towards him he's moved by you and so we all just want to bless you with everything jesus has for you the fullness and we tell you you have what it takes to succeed oh my goodness you will impact this is not a heavy pressure it's more a natural overflow of your life that you will impact those around you because of the way you've chosen to love him and it's not even about preaching you know, Jesus, I'm sure maybe you do do that, but it's more how you live your life and um, the values that you carry in a, in a culture that really, you know, there's not a whole lot of value. And so this is no pressure, like you have to live up to this. It's more, you know, you just get to. It's the overflow of your life. Your, your mom and dad have done such an amazing job raising you. And um, yeah, cl- keep clinging on to them and, and they have lots of wisdom for you. Elizabeth. I don't have anything yet either, but I just felt to call you. Elizabeth, I see maybe you've been in a time where asking God some questions, transition, just not sure, and I'm kind of like, do I do this or do I do that? And God's like, what do you want to do? What's going to bring, what's life-giving? What's going to bring you joy? He so trusts you. 
you've been so faithful with little things. And now he's like, I just feel like I just saw the whole world in front of you. Like the world is your oyster. What do you want to do? And uh, same thing. You have such integrity. You are the same person on the inside that you are on the outside. And, and that is such a huge impact with everyone in your life. And so let's bless her with, with all God has for her. Jesus, thank you for all you're doing in her life, Jesus. And thank you that her life is a sweet fragrance to you. It's like Mary cracking open that bottle of perfume and it it just pours out. It can't help but pour out. And I almost saw Jesus like, oh my gosh, he's so overwhelmed because it was like just kept coming and coming and coming because you just love worship and you love surrendering your life to him. And it wasn't, it wasn't like a little bit. It was just so extravagant and it continues to pour out and it pours out even when you don't even know when you're just living your life. You're like, oh, oops, that spilled out. It just like gets all over everyone around you and touches them and impacts them. So we bless you with all you are in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. So um, I also felt to um, pray for anyone, and I'm not going to have you stand up or anything, but I just want to pray for people who've been hurt by a parent, a pastor, an authority figure, a teacher, um, a boss, and maybe they didn't make it a safe place for you to grow. And so when you make mistakes, you kind of are always like, "Uh uh-oh, am I going to get in trouble? Um, And that's not God's heart, so I want to pray for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you are so loving, you're so good, and you're so faithful, and you're so trustworthy. Yeah, so Jesus, we we thank you right now that you would um, just heal any heart that's feeling that way. And I just want to step in as a mom, as a leader, and say I'm so sorry for the way um, you've been hurt and injured. I'm so sorry that you were not able to grow in a healthy environment, that you couldn't make a mistake. His heart for you is that you get to grow from every little mistake you made. You get to grow from that, and you get to flourish in grace and freedom. So I bless you with with um, with a grace to step into all Jesus has done for you, and and tell you, hey, it's okay to make a little mess sometimes. You don't have to do everything perfectly. There's space for you to grow. And it's, it's in that space that I'm going to show you who I am and how, how my strength is going to show up for you in your weakest places. Thank you, God. And then, um, whew, it's getting warm. It's Holy Spirit or if it's the lights, I'm hot. <laughs> also feel like maybe some of you really need some hope and um yeah I was thinking about um one of the little foster girls we had for a while and she we had two girls and one of them wanted to call her mom and the other one did not because she's been so disappointed and she could see her just really shut down because she did not want to be disappointed over and over because she knew her mom wouldn't answer the phone and um, so she was closed off. So I kind of just get a picture of that, that maybe you've been so disappointed and you've been so hurt that it's really hard for you to get your hopes up. So Jesus, I ask right now that you would just speak to the places of our hearts that have felt disappointed and hopeless and that you would um, just begin to stir up hope in us again. Thank you, Jesus, that you are the father of hope, that you're the author and the finisher of our faith and hope. And so I I pray that um, 
that you would just wash off all disappointment and hopelessness and that you would uh, just give us a new level of faith and trust in you, that you have good things in store for us. You don't hold anything back. And for any place that anyone's felt like God's been holding back from you, I pray that you would experience the lavish, extravagant love of the Father pouring out over you. He doesn't hold anything back from you. He loves to lavish good gifts on his kids. Thank you, God. And I just pray for all of us as we're walking out this journey of growth and maturity that that we have all the grace that we need. We have all the courage we need. We do this with you. We don't do this by ourselves. We get to lean on your strength. So I break off any shame right now or any lie that you're hearing that you're not enough, that you've messed up too many times or you should be further along. That that's, That's not the Father's heart for you. His heart is like, come on, little girl, come on, little boy, come on, son, come on, daughter. I'm, I'm, I'm calling you up higher because that's who you are. And there's no shame, no guilt, no condemnation. There's only grace for you and love for you. And you got this. And you're going to discover who I am in it. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you, Jesus. So.